welcome to Talking Walking, hosted by Andrew Stuck from Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. Talking Walking brings you interviews with people from the world of walking, artists, activists, professionals, and those of us who have a passion for just taking a walk. Active travel and environmental activist Pam Ruquette has given me a walk as a birthday present. The route that we take is around the city of Salisbury and links up places which are significant to Pam. 25 years ago, in 1997, when she was still working as a community physiotherapist, she was a member of the newly formed Salisbury Walking Forum and became involved in a healthy walks initiative called the Doorstep Walks. Pam has been the driving force behind the healthy walks in Salisbury ever since. She's led hundreds of group walks for different ages and abilities, devised scores of walking routes, as well as being instrumental in creating a popular walking map for the city and surrounding areas. As you'll learn from this slightly unusual interview, Pam has also had a hand in maintaining footpaths and in securing spaces for wildlife. Over the years, I've tried to entice Pam to be interviewed for Talking Walking, and each time she's turned me down, modestly saying that she has little to tell. However, Pam is one of the most inspirational and quietly determined people I've ever met, so as unobtrusively as I could, I took my recorder with me on this birthday walk. The birthday walk begins on the bank of the River Nadder, we have reached this point by walking through a narrow, railing-fenced alleyway between business units on the Churchfield's industrial estate. We're less than ten minutes' walk from the railway station. <laughs> <laughs> so you've just said this, this is your favourite... But this, I think, is the most beautiful stretch of river in the city because it's just like being in the, completely out in the wild, and yet we're within Salisbury city limits. And just behind us is... Just behind us is an industrial estate. I have a lot of my campaigning is about trying to get people to value all the special places we've got, because if people don't value them, they won't protect them, and if they're threatened, they won't stand up for them. So now, uh, this afternoon, I'll be telling you more about my <laughs> campaigns for... I mean, when I ran the wildlife group for children, the whole aim was, I didn't know that much myself at all. They found it all out themselves. But I encouraged them to their interest and nurtured their interest so that they would then grow up to value and defend the natural world, really. I was just asking, why is the River Nadder here? Why, why is that so straight? It's lots of backwaters, so that's actually another little island. And you can actually get up in a boat on the backwater down there but nobody goes it's it's completely private really i mean it's it's just wonderful it's a mystery it's a yeah, mystery yeah yeah and now and we're on this bizarre walking route where we've walked from churchfields which is round an industrial estate we've come round its perimeter yeah and, and is this path given a, a name no <laughs> no. And it's not a right-of-way. And it's not a right-of-way. And we want it to be a right-of-way, and I, I have to raise it again with them, because they need to get it legally on the definitive yeah. map, don't they? But what you've been saying also is that you've been saying that uh, during the pandemic, it's now well 
Oh, people have discovered it, and they've lived here for 20, 30 years, and they never knew of its existence, unless they had my walking map, of course, when they, it was on the walking map. Well, I take walks here with Walking for Health, and they, they just love it. Um, it's a stunning setting, and you were saying this is car woodland? Is that how yeah. you described it? Well, car woodland is just wet woodland, and it's all willow and alder, and it's quite unusual and a wonderful habitat for... There's ten species of bats in there. There's Moulin World Snail of the Newbury Bypass <laughs> fame. Water voles, loads of water voles, otters, lots. We've just overlooked what you call Harnham Marshes. So that was the Harnham, Harnham Meadows. Harnham Water Meadows. The Water Meadows. Yeah. And we could see the town path, which yeah. was, what, about 600 yards away? Yeah. Yeah. And yet there's no connection between the two. No, no, because that is, that really exists to protect Salisbury from flooding because it floods in the winter time. And when it was first sort of bought by private means was to protect it from ever being developed. But they're so strict in their rules that they think putting a footpath across it, they think it would be an intrusion that wouldn't be acceptable by the Charity Commission. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, anyway, a so lovely, a lovely setting. So you were just saying about the when, walking map. When we were going to produce the first walking map, um, Nick came up with the idea of what he called countryside connections. So the idea was that the city would connect to the countryside. Every route then he changed from stiles to kissing gates. And the whole be thing was we, we would get people who perhaps had, had um, hip replacements or couldn't manage style so that it would be accessible for all really, apart from wheelchair users, because a lot of them couldn't be big enough for wheelchairs. But um, so um, I've worked with Nick quite closely for a long time really, because he's a, he still was on the walking forum until he retired. <laughs> yeah, I stood here before all this with the sort of the walking group in the early days and it was 11th of November, and it was 11 o'clock. And we stood here and had our two-minute silence. And people who came there, they've never forgotten it. And I managed to time it so that we got here by 11. And they just stood in two-minute silence. It was wonderful. So where have we got to? Well, we're at Lower Bemerton start of Broken Bridges footpath, which is a really important link between two parts of Salisbury, really, Lower Bermonton and Harnham. It's a medieval path, I think. It's existed for hundreds of years. And during the pandemic, more and more and more people were walking it. And it's pretty narrow, and it's really, really deteriorated because of intermittent flooding and so on. And nothing has been done to maintain it. And there's 75,000 in the bank. I know that's not a lot, but it, which was due to buy part of the land as a nature reserve, and that's all fallen through because they don't want to sell it. And the council are holding on to that land for, I'm involved in the um, Broken Bridges Nature Reserve. I want the money released to improve the footpath. But it's like wading through treacle, really. You just cannot get anywhere. The council want to see you know, millions spent, and it made into a great sort of shared-use cycleway with lighting and all the rest. 
But local people actually just want small improvements that would make a significant difference to being able to walk, you know, happily across here. But they, they either do the whole hog and they haven't got the money, but they won't consider more minor things, which, and I, I've come up with an idea which is really very moderate, but I'll show you later on. One of the problems is the farmer who owned it before gradually moved the barbed wire fences closer and closer to the path. This is a public right of way, but he must own the land under the path. So he thought he could do that. And it means that you can't, I mean, during, you know, trying people trying to separate when they were walking during the you know, early part of the pandemic, you couldn't step aside because there were, there were catcher jackets on barbed wire on both sides. So I, what I want to do is to buy off the owner just a strip of land and sufficient to move the fences away and then not make the path much wider but have grassy areas where people could step off should a cyclist come along or whatever or you meet other people you know and you could put places where people can pause and enjoy the countryside but there's a bridge here which is really going to have to be replaced and the plan was to put one straight over here and replace that one for here and local people objected. You wouldn't believe it. So, this is all broken loose. Bits of this are constantly going. So this is the That's former mill race, yeah. Yeah. This was falling away completely here. Now it's falling away there. So that will need, something will need to be done, I suppose, on, on that bit. But again, if I said to Nick, this is getting dangerous, you know, somebody could eat, because it was up to here, it was, and then there was a great slope. He was out and repaired it in no time at all, really. But it will be muddy around here. The man who's bought that building, he now owns some of the land as well, and he has the Highland cattle, which are rather nice. They are. <laughs> Enjoying lowland life. Yes. Yeah. Okay, now we side. have barbed wire to watch out here. I think you're better side. your side. But there was a man along here the other day when I came, cutting a lot of the vegetation back, and he's just doing it voluntarily because the, the rights of waiting don't have time or money or whatever. And he was doing all this, and I said, Oh, where do you live? He said, Amesbury. I said, what are you doing down? Oh, he said, I do voluntary work all over the place because if I see something needs doing, I do it. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of people around who actually do a lot of voluntary work. So this would have been right over here. And as you say, here's our barbed wire fence. But you see, these bridges are too narrow for cycling really and too narrow for wheelchairs because they've got no sides yeah. Yeah. and I met a lady down here one day with one of those rollators you know shoes were covered in mud and she lives just up there in a, a residential home and she loves it and I wanted these not widened dramatically but widened a bit so that people like her would feel able and safe to come in an area like this so there's a lot of these bridges that all, and the thing is it wouldn't, though there's a thrush, it wouldn't be difficult because they've all got the old water meadows structures, so they've got width there, you see, with supports. 
so it wouldn't need to take much to put in a slightly wider bridge. Okay, so, so where, where are we now? We're just walking... Well, we're walking on a, an old path that's right in the middle of housing. And I discovered a lot of these little walkways during foot and mouth because we were banned from going out in the country. Even just on the edges of Salisbury, you weren't actually allowed to go out into the fields. So we had to walk in and around town. And we discovered all these walks and people started taking such an interest in other people's back gardens and, and enjoying just seeing, you know, the local neighbourhood. It was when that happened that I decided that we would do the walking map for Salisbury because there's so many little cut-throughs that people didn't know about. And what's interesting is people say to me, they see a path, but they don't dare go down it because they don't know where it goes to and they don't want to get lost. So having the map and showing them where it, where it goes and so on um, really got more and more people interested in, in walking locally. When was the map conceived? It was first printed in 2004 and then it's had four editions since then and it's incredibly popular. And it actually started to be given out to any new developments, new housing developments, with their package of information about waste collection and so on. They would have the walking map because there were walks into town as well as circular walks. So they, they had no excuse for not knowing where to walk. Now, what, what do we have here? We have a plaque. Well, this is the man who actually... He, whether he was the landowner, I don't know, of Harnham Hill but he planted this avenue. It says tree planter and founder, Harnham Hill Estate. And so they kept this footpath and he planted this avenue of lime trees, which are majority still here, so a few have gone. That called Mr. Lywood, so it's called Lywood Walk. The walking map includes walks into the city, but also... Yes, yeah, called in intercity walks. And also, originally, based on doorstep walks as well. Yeah, well the map was really based on all the walks we'd developed since we started in what, 1997 and we realised when we were out walking in and around Salisbury really we didn't meet many other people walking and it was then that I learnt that people didn't like to go down a footpath that they didn't know where it went. People are quite nervous really um, so that's why, why we did that and then um, with the bus walks, one of the ideas was to let people travel by bus rather than car into the countryside because you then don't have to do a circular walk, you can do a linear walk. So you had walks that might walk from one bus route to the next bus route or get off at one stop and walk to another stop on the same route. But a lot of variation on um, the different buses and so that was another popular leaflet we produced. I think the first bus walk one was about 2008, 2009, something like that. But then they kept changing the buses, so uh, it went out of date quite quickly. We've just walked along a section, um, which you described as the Bishop's Walk as we came up here. And you wanted to show me an innovative path improvement. Because the area of Harnham Slope was owned by the Bishop, the, the church and he presented Harnham Slope to the people of Salisbury and it had this footpath along the top but it's right on the top of a steep escarpment 
it was always eroding away. It was always slipping down the slope. And they did temporary repairs for years. It was just using wood. And it was constantly rotting and having to be repaired. And it was getting to the stage where a more permanent solution needed to be found. So we got funding from Rights Away Improvement and the Community Area Transport Group, raised the money, and it's now got recycled crash barriers for the edging. It's all been levelled, and they're supported by scaffolding. So it's metal now, and it will should actually last for well, I don't know about ever, but certainly an awful long time. It's completely level, it's suitable for wheelchairs and pushchairs. So it's opened it up for more people and saved what could have been a footpath that was lost lost from use because it was getting too dangerous. You told me that the people who actually did the work were rights-of-way officers and, but, and, and, ramblers, their, and their contractors, but really importantly were the Ramblers, ramblers Heavy Gang. Heavy gang. Um, ramblers Volunteer Heavy Gang. They have a light gang who cut back vegetation and they have a heavy guy who replaced styles with kissing gates or that sort of thing so they're very useful so Salisbury is an absolute epicenter of walks and walking well yes yeah we call it the walking friendly city but there's still a lot of missing bits that we really like improved to make walking more pleasant away from traffic there are some areas that are very heavy heavy with traffic and we would like to get more sort of away from the, the traffic and the peace of quiet. But we do have quite a good choice. There's one right of way, we're not going actually down it, but um, that they built a new estate. And it was a wide grassy path. So people could walk anywhere in this, well at least sort of maybe three meters wide. And now they've built the estate up like this. They made the path so narrow and it's down a hill, it's permanently muddy, so people don't use it. Also, it's quite threatening, this one, isn't it? Because we're sort of fenced in on either side, there's no escape. This bit is not brand new estates, because they're getting better. But some of the ones that were built, say, 20 years ago, or whatever, 20, 30 years ago, they really don't have good paths at all. And you have to, a lot of people hop in their cars to drive round to visit somebody in the next road. They should be permeable. <laughs> I'm going to say that, I'm going to ask you how you might want to be described. Enthusiast or activist, I don't know which, but I do realise I'm an activist now. Okay. I did read somewhere that it's actually good to be an activist. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just a, a thorn in everybody's side, but they say everybody should get involved in their local community and so on. So you've got a view over there. Three county wildlife sites in Harnham, east and west, Middle Street Meadow that we went into, Harnham Slope, and Lime Kiln Down. And you've had a hand in each of these? A bit of, yes, yes. I don't do much on Harnham Slope now, it's somebody else does all the planning, but really because it's, it's on such a steep slope that the practical work takes were enough to finish off everybody's knees, let alone mine. How did Middle Street Meadow come well, into they uh, built existence? It was a farm originally. The farmer sold the land and he sold it on condition that that meadow should remain as public open space never to be built on. So it's been you know, left to the people of, of the city really. 
but nothing much happened there for years. And then they put a football pitch in, and then nobody was very interested in it, so they thought they might put three football pitches in. But then there were two young boys, age 13, 14, lived locally, and they came to me and said, why do the council always cut the field just as all the flowers are coming out? And they kill all the, the voles and all the you know, little mammals and so on. Why do they do it? So I said, well, look, if you don't want them to do it, why don't you draw up a plan of what you would like to see? So they went away and did this, sent it in to the parks manager, heard absolutely nothing, completely ignored. So I contacted the parks manager and I said, here are two teenage boys, very unusually passionate about wildlife, and what have you done but just ignore them? He really ate humble pie. He got in touch with them. He said, could I arrange you know, for him to meet them? He came around and met them. He, they took him around the field and then we set up a, a friends group. We leafleted all the, all the local houses to see if people would support different management, which was much more wildlife friendly. And that's how it all started. And in the beginning, the idea was that they would cut the grass, you know, much less, just sort of once at the end of the, the season, and take the cuttings away. So we had a tractor that came in and cut it, but they couldn't bale it. And these two boys, and a few other of, others of us, went out with old haymaking rakes and made hay. <laughs> and I've got photos of this tractor and these boys raking up the grass and making haystacks and things. And then the council came and removed it. When was that? In the 90s? That was the mid-90s. And it's taken about nearly 25 years for the benefits really to manifest themselves. And now... There's so many more wildflowers, there's so many more butterflies, and it's all become everybody's favourite place, really, and people come from all over Salisbury to, to look at it, and now we've got the wetland area as well with the big pond and otters and water voles and things. So um, it had all really started with two teenage boys, and I was just so impressed with them, really. But I wasn't impressed with the council's total ignoring because it's just such an unusual thing for boys of that age to, you know. But they didn't know what to do, so I put them on the right path for what to do. And in the end, we planted shrubs. We, we, oh, the whole of the hedge was dead or dying elm trees, so we replanted that with other, you know, other species and things. So this is lime kiln. Okay, so you're now taking me to another county nature reserve. County wildlife site, yeah. And uh, this again arose out of a developer. This was farmland. And the developer bought the land to build a housing estate down the hill. And he decided he wasn't allowed to build up here because it's on the skyline of the city. So he said, well, I'll buy the land and I'll give it as public open space for the community, which he did. But the legal transfer of the land ownership, the legal department in County Hall never got on to do it. And it gradually, it was just downland originally, it gradually got scrubbed over like this and became far less valuable for nature, really, because it was just dominated 
by hazel and bramble and all that sort of thing. Nobody was looking after it, no, nothing was happening. So I got the county ecologist down, showed her the value of it, and she managed to get the legal team to finally transfer it into the ownership of the council. So it's now council-owned, but interestingly there was a strip down the middle that remained privately owned. I think it was something to do with it was going to be the route of the bypass and she wanted to hang on to it. When that fell through, she said to the city council that she would give them the strip of land, quite a wide strip right across the middle, on condition that it wasn't built on, not used for housing. Then they decided that they would build a doctor's surgery up here with 250 parking spaces. And I went to the meeting and I said, but you know, it was left to the council on condition it wasn't built on. And they said, oh, we can get round that one. In the end, we fought tooth and nail against this doctor's surgery. It was going to be, it was going to be a three-story building completely blocking the view with a view to expanding as they outgrew the thing. So at the moment, it's all gone quiet. But apart from not wanting to destroy the place, and the value of these sort of places, particularly in this pandemic, on your doorstep, a beautiful area where you can get out in the wild countryside, really, right on your doorstep. They are so valuable now for our, you know, mental, physical, everything, health, well-being. So um, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that what a stupid place to build a, a doctor's surgery where... You know, everybody would have had to come from town, probably uphill, drive their cars. There is a bus, but if you're not on that bus route, you'd have had to change umpteen times. So it's now gone very quiet. And we think it might have, it might not rear its ugly head because it needs to be in the centre of town. It needs to be where we've got so many retirement homes now in town, you know, these apartments for retirement they need to be able to go to the doctor around the corner. We're surrounded by orchids. We're, we're not going to try and name them, are we? Pyramidal orchids, these are. And there's literally hundreds of them here. We're gradually clearing some of the bramble and some of the scrub to open up areas for wildflowers and butterflies. And so, you know, they're doing, doing all that. But the housing estate is below the, that tree line. So he left all this for the public. And then we get this view of the cathedral again. Yeah, it's, it's just a landscape, isn't it? It's really is. These orchids are amazing, These aren't are they? Just... So the orchids go all the way down there, but we're going over here. And this is managed by siding, traditional siding by the, the volunteers, which is quite labour intensive, but the right way to do it. So there's, there's more orchids, but lots and lots of other things as well. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? It is beautiful. So looking from here, the doctor's surgery was going to be just down here, and all that would have been car park. You've been listening to Talking Walking, brought to you by Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. In this episode, you've heard from Pam Roquette, activist and enthusiast, from Harlem in Salisbury. If you have any views on this interview or any walking issues, we'd love to hear from you. Just follow the links on the Talking Walking website. 
We look forward to having you along for future episodes of Talking Walking. Written, recorded and produced by Andrew Stuck of Rethinking Cities Limited, our artwork is designed by Ian Martin of Aardvark Graphics and the music is composed by Simon Sanders of Easy Tronic.